This next pitch has popped up. Rizzo giving chase down the right field line at the wall. Wind blowing it back. Anthony on top of the wall. Makes an unbelievable catch. Anthony Rizzo jumps on top of the brick wall. Reaches into the stands as the wind started blowing the ball back. And makes the catch. Another come now the old one. Way outside. Hi there, and welcome into the third podcast episode of In the Ivy. I am your host, Ryan Scott, and be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ryan Scott Sport. This will be a weekly audio podcast where I break down the latest Chicago Cubs games, standings, stats, news, trade rumors, and so much more. It will also feature interviews and special guests, so please be sure to always tune in on Spotify and Apple Music. Like I said, I originally planned and wanted to start the podcast at the beginning of the MLB season. However, scheduling conflicts with work and school, moving houses did not really allow that either. So here I am finally with a microphone and ready to discuss the beloved Cubbies as we are now over halfway through the MLB season. I took the last week or two off from podcasting to kind of just focus on summer class finals, but also because of the all-star break, the endless trade rumors and the upsetting consecutive losses. I would have talked in just complete circles trying to keep up every day with the different trade rumor scenarios, so it was almost better to just kind of wait after voicing a few of those trade possibilities in the last episode. The deadline has finally came and went, and this could have been the most epic one in history. Unfortunately, not in our favor, although, as the Cubs were the main team under everybody's radar yesterday, unloading a championship team and core group to the entire league. So, Cubs fans, how are we doing today? A day of reckoning yesterday, maybe the hardest day as a Cubs fan in as long as I can remember in my lifetime of 23 years. Yesterday was just a complete day of reckoning, as I said. A total sellout. I mean, Jed Hoyer did not go halfway on this. We ended up trading away nine different players. Eleven players are coming in. Among those players that were traded, Jock Peterson, he was the first to go to the Atlanta Braves we saw. Slowly after, we saw Andrew Chafin go to the Athletics, and then it was Ryan Tapera. He's with the White Sox now. And then Wednesday night, it broke our hearts when Anthony Rizzo was traded to the New York Yankees. Next day was followed by Craig Kimbrell to the Chicago White Sox. And we saw Javier Baez and Trevor Williams traded to the New York Mets along with Jake Marisnik to the San Diego Padres. Chris Bryant was traded to the San Francisco Giants. Across the league, we also saw our beloved John Lester get traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. We also saw Kyle Schwarber get traded to the Boston Red Sox. With the Cubs unloading these nine players, along with the other players they've gotten rid of since 2016, nearly the entire roster from that championship team just five years ago is gone. That list would include Lester, Schwarber, Darvish, Zobrist, Addison Russell, Eraldis Chapman, Dexter Fowler, Miguel Montero, Almora, Solaire, John Lackey, Pedro Strope, Carl Edwards Jr., Rondon, Grimm, Woods, and Montgomery are all gone. The only players to remain on the Chicago Cubs team from the 2016 World Series Championship, Jason Hayward, Kyle Hendricks, the professor, Jake Arrieta, and Wilson Contreras, 
David Ross is still on the team as well. He's just the manager for the Cubs right now, so a different perspective. The entire Cubs core has been traded away. The team as we know it is now gone. Goodbye, friends, and mainly goodbye to the core. This last night, I kept waking up multiple times throughout the night, immediately thinking of what was going on, and I, I thought it was a dream the whole time, a nightmare the whole time, and I realized it wasn't, and I just I wanted to go back to sleep. And then when I was asleep, I, I mean, I didn't want to wake up from this actual nightmare that the Cubs traded away the entire core along with, you know, five, four other players. So goodbye, friends. Rizzo, KB, Javi, I mean, they were the Ernie Banks, the Billy Williams, the Ron Santo of this era. They had a shorter tenure, although, and they even produced a championship ring. These guys are the statues, the jerseys, the flags that are hanging above Wrigley Field, the federal landmark, years down the road from now. Their impact will just forever be remembered. These are the players, I mean, Rizzo was the heart and soul of Chicago. He was a class act, you know, on and off the field. Everything you would ever want in a player, he was, you know, the origin of the Chicago Cubs. He was the face of the Chicago Cubs. Javi, I mean, he was just the most electric player to watch these past few years. He was a role model to many young players. And KB, I mean, he was one of the best to ever wear a Cubs uniform. He was an MVP in his prime right now. He's an overall great human being. And man, as soon as he stepped up to the plate that rookie season, he was destined to be great. What they accomplished for the Cubs, the entire city, like I said, it will never be forgotten. This was the best team the best core group of players in over 100 years. They showed the best fans in baseball what it actually felt like to be on top, a feeling we haven't really had before. I mean, they were the reason the Cubs have been a top-tier team these last five, six, seven years. They kept fans coming back every single night to Wrigley or locked into WGN or Marquee Sports Network every night to watch them. These core group of players just had so much emotion, so much charisma in our dugout in our clubhouse, on the field, off the field. They became friends and even enemies to a lot of players around the league. We know Javi and Amir Garrett, that battle will forever go on, but a lot of just bonds they've made throughout the league just being a Chicago Cub. They also have always had each other's backs. Like I said, with this Amir Garrett, we saw the Araldis Chapman bench clearing uh, argument between Rizzo and him just a couple seasons ago. I mean, they played to their best ability. They were always giving it, you know, 110% every single time they stepped between the lines. They showed us, I mean, what great people were on and off the field. I mean, starting with the Rizzo effect, like I said, a 10-year career with Chicago. I mean, he reunited with Theo Epstein after beating that Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer years ago. In these 10 years with the Cubs, he played 1,308 ball games. He's one of the best at first base. His fielding percentage was .995. He just had over 50 errors in 10 years. I mean, just remarkable plays. We can remember the tarp catches, the diving plays. Just He had 989 total double plays. At the plate, he hit 272. He had 243 home runs. He broke into that list top six home runs all time by any Chicago Cub. He was a three-time All-Star. He was a four-time Gold Glover. He's a Silver Slugger. 
In 2016, he got the Defensive Player of the Year award. I remember that in the World Series when he caught the final out to clinch the pennant. I mean, he also scored seven runs. He had five RBIs against Cleveland in that seven-game series. He's a World Series champion. I mean, he had the best social media personality award as well. He's a Roberto Clemente Award winner as well as Man of the Year from 2017 just because of his courageous acts. The Rizzo Family Foundation, it was established in 2012. It's a nonprofit organization that raises money on pediatric cancer care and research with emphasis on helping families financially with medical cost. This is ran entirely by Anthony Rizzo's family, his immediate close friends, and, the man- and his management team as well. Anthony kind of just provides oversight and leadership. We see him going in and talking with a lot of these kids, these patients, a lot. He believes the entire family fights the cancer together, not just the individual person. Seventy uh, percent of families who have a child battling cancer file for bankruptcy. That's seventy percent of such a remarkable number. Him and his family also established the Hope Forty Four program. Um, that was started later by the funds of the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation to assist families in providing one-on-one counseling and more to ensure that their families have all the resources that they need to fight cancer. We see the annual raffles, the fundraisers, walk-off and cook-off for cancer. I mean, he's raised millions for his organization in the city of Chicago. He's helped a ton of families. He's a hero to many young individuals. El Mago, I mean, Javi. Eight professional seasons with the Cubs, 815 games. Anywhere, I mean, everyone remembers from the no-look tags, the unreal diving plays, that range he had, just unbeatable. A strong arm, you know, deep in the gap. He always had a lot of emotions. Electricity, man, just so much flair to the game. He was always ready to go to war and honestly had one of the most clutch genes in the entire organization of baseball. In those eight years with the Cubs, he batted 262 overall. He had 140 total home runs, just 67 defensive errors, a lot of them recently. 279 total double plays, <laughs> 279, man, it was fun watching him, you know, roll those up the middle. He played over 100 games at both second base and third base. I mean, we saw him a ton at shortstop, but can't forget about the times, you know, where he was getting in the reps there at second base and third. In 2014, he played in the Futures game. With the Cubs, he was a two-time All-Star. He was a Gold Glove Award winner back in 2020 last year. He was a Silver Slugger Award winner in 2018. Back when the Cubs won the World Series in that NLCS matchup against the Dodgers, he was the co-MVP. That was with John Lester in 2016. He was also a Home Run Derby participant in 2018. And most of all, he's a World Series champion. KB, Chris Bryant, Silk. I mean, that's via Bryce Harper. Bryce has always called him Silk since he was younger, growing up together, playing Little League and Babe Ruth together. So Silk, he was drafted second overall by the Cubs in 2013. Second overall pick. In those seven seasons with the Cubs, he played 833 games. He played third base. He played shortstop. He played first base. He played center field. He played right field. He played left field. He was the DH. I mean, 
his fielding percentage, he was so versatile no matter where he was, he didn't really commit errors. He had a .951 fielding percentage in those seven professional seasons for the Cubs. That's over 830 games, like said. He turned over 100 double plays. He had 160 total home runs for the Cubs. He hit 279 overall. He was a four-time All-Star in the time with his Cubs. In 2015, he won the NL Rookie of the Year unanimously. In that same year, he was a Home Run Derby participant. He also won the Hank Aaron Award in 2016. He was the National League MVP. The Cubs won the World Series in 2016. We saw him make that final out against the Cleveland Indians in Game 7, smiling ear to ear as he threw the ball across the field to Anthony Rizzo. And he's a World Series champion most of all. So how did we get here? What really happened to result in us letting go of the entire core, the Chicago Cubs as we knew it? I mean, NL Central Division titles from 2016, 2017, and 2020, this was arguably the best era of Chicago Cubs baseball in history. Three division titles, as I mentioned. They lost in the 2015 NLCS that next year. They got revenge. They went back. They won the World Series in 2016. The next year, they climbed all the way back to the NLCS and just got beat. In the 2018 playoffs, they lost in a wild card game against the Colorado Rockies. 2019 missed out because of COVID, and last year with the new playoff format, they were swept by the Miami Marlins in Wrigley. So recent struggles, these last years we saw the Cubs go to the World Series, and they lost in the championship series that next season, lost in the wild card game, and then swept in the playoffs. I mean, the core just, they're amazing, but they have not been getting it done like they were in 2016. We were 19-8 and eight in May. It was one of the best months Chicago Cubs have ever seen. Think about that winning percentage, 19-8 and eight in just one month. We spent 25 days atop of the NL Central Division. We looked really good coming into this year. I mean, the first month and two were spectacular. We were 11 games over 500 in June. We were battling with, the, you know, Brewers, Padres, everyone who was atop of their division. And then after throwing the collective no-hitter against the L.A. Dodgers, we went on that 11-game losing streak. That 11-game losing streak was the third worst losing streak ever by a major league baseball team. It has been a long time since any team has lost that many games consecutively. We had nearly 10 players, and they were key players, you know, on the injured list. This was one of the biggest injured lists among the entire major league baseball. I mean, June was statistically one of the worst hitting months for the Chicago Cubs since 1900. I mean, we were batting 187 as a team that month. No wonder it was arguably, you know, our worst hitting month in well over 120 years. 187, we had the fourth worst strikeout percentage in the entire Major League Baseball. I mean, we weren't scoring runs. We weren't getting players on base. For 20 consecutive games, we had less than eight hits. We went from first place to last place, you know, in less than two weeks. I mean, we were nine games back. This tied the largest fall ever in our organization and in the Major Leagues first place to nine games back in less than two weeks. So, I mean, 
Change was necessary. What we had was no longer working. I kind of knew this. We kind of knew this day of reckoning was coming. I mean, the day was circled on the calendar once our struggles were extremely present. I mean, we could not ignore the 11-game losing streak. We're now, you know, in fourth place in the division, going to the all-star break. There's no chance of us making the playoffs or winning the division. Free agency's coming up. We can get a lot of key prospects, key money for some big names. So, unfortunately, in these last four years, there was just no player investments made. No contract renewals. No one was brought in. And just these last, you know, six, four weeks, the trade rumors took just such a big mental, physical, and emotional toll on all of our players. We saw the interviews from Chris Bryant, you know, Rizzo. It was exhausting for these guys just hearing what was going on around the trade rumors. We had player disagreements in the dugout. There was front office, you know, gray areas, what's going on. And some of David Ross's coaching decisions were definitely questionable. One of the biggest things was, personally, me and I'm sure a lot of Cubs fans are really hurt by, you know, not getting a final goodbye. There was no standing ovation given, you know, to the core on Thursday's last game together. I mean, Rizzo and Chris Bryant were apparently benched when the next day was a rest day for them as well. So... They had the opportunity to pinch it in the late op- in the late game as well, with Jason Hayward and Kyle Ryan coming up to bat. Both of them could have gotten one last bat at Wrigley Field, gotten that standing ovation, one final goodbye from the fans of Chicago. Javi played that day, but the other two didn't. Brizzo didn't. I mean, basically, what it comes down to is who we traded away, the big four been talking about the big three but you could say the big four with Craig Kimbrell a winning team with Craig Kimbrell is so dangerous so we basically traded away four rental players you could say in the core and him because of what's going on in our season they all become free agents after this you know just in three months so technically on these three four months they're rentals I mean who knows what could happen come free agency we traded away them for a massive prospect turnover, a really good prospect turnover. It was a haul. Jed Hoyer did an amazing job with this. It was surprising. I mean, time will tell. For now, it it stings. It really sucks. I mean, I'm going to be sad for a while. This, <laughs> this is something you will never forget as a Cubs fan, this feeling, losing the core. I mean... In these three months, with the rest of the season, with who they got traded to, I hope they just continue to dominate, you know, accomplish big things with these new championship contending teams that they're on. I mean, go out there and just achieve success. Every single one of them, whether it's, you know, Rizzo with the Yankees, Kimbrell and Tapera with the White Sox. I mean, even Jake Marisnik, he can get in there and mix things up down in San Diego. You know, Andrew Chafin, he'll be great in the bullpen for Oakland. Jock Peterson, he's dangerous for Atlanta Braves. They definitely will need him, you know, with a couple injuries with Acuna. The Giants, Chris Bryant, and lastly, the Mets. I I hate to see it, but I can't wait to actually watch 
Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez, best friends up the middle from Puerto Rico. That will be just dangerous to watch and such a duo up the middle. I think Francisco Lindor will really help him out, show him the ropes down, you know, up the Big Apple. Going back to yesterday, Jed Hoyer, I mean, he said we made offers to everyone that I believe will stand up exceptionally well. We weren't able to reach, you know, the exact deals we wanted to, but he knows that we put our best foot forward. We got a lot of these prospects for years to come, as I mentioned. Coming this winter, we're definitely going to need some help. Definitely going to need some help this offseason. I mean, Tom Ricketts checkbook should definitely be ready to go. That pin should be ready to get signed. Who did we really get in return for, you know, trading away the core and Chafin and Kimbrell, Tapera, all these guys, Jock Peterson? Who did we even get? So 11 players on the return of trading away nine. We got a first baseman from Atlanta in Bryce Ball. He's a low A. Big dude, 6'6", 240. He's 23 years old. He was a minor league all-star. In these two seasons down there, he's had 23 home runs. He's hit 267. He has a really good fielding percentage of just .992. MLB Pipeline has him as a top 10 first baseman prospect in the entire minor league organization. So we got him from Atlanta. We also got a 21-year-old Venezuelan right-handed pitcher, Daniel Palencia, from Oakland for Andrew Chafin. He was a low-A righty. So far in his first season, he's just posted at 6.91 ERA in a few outings. So young guy getting some work down in Oakland's farm system. Additionally, with that trade, we also got an outfielder in Greg Dykeman. He's a triple-A 26-year-old from Louisiana State. He is impressive. He's someone to definitely keep an eye on. 30 minor league home runs in you know, four seasons. He's had over 125 RBIs. He's a minor league all-star. He has just that raw power. He has good defensive instinct. I mean, he's speedy, pretty solid arm. And with this trade, I mean, he becomes the 20th ranked prospect in the entire Cubs organization from Oakland. Another one, right-handed pitcher, Bailey Horn. He's a 23-year-old. He was just selected in the fifth round of the draft. He's a low-A pitcher with a high strikeout ratio. He can definitely keep a lot of these hitters off balance. From Chicago, this was a big turnaround. Second baseman Nick Madrigal, 24-year-old professional league starter for the White Sox. Just, you know, a menace up the middle and, and can make complete contact and a good power hitter he played in the 2019 futures game i mean he was drafted in high school 17 18 years old he was drafted again in college currently in these two seasons with the chicago white Sox, he's hitting 317 he has 32 rbis and a fielding percentage of 0.970 unfortunately we saw you know a month or two ago a season-ending hamstring injury happen surgery to follow so Nick Madrigal second baseman from the White Sox definitely someone to keep an eye on as he gets healthy who else did we get in that trade with Kimbrell we got a right-handed pitcher in Cody Hewer. he's a 6'5 righty from Wichita State University in his two seasons in the minors he's pitched over 60 bullpen innings and has a 3.75 ERA from New York the Anthony Rizzo trade we got 
two really impressive players. One in particular, a 19-year-old outfielder, Kevin Alcantara. He is a top prospect. He's very mature for his age at 19. He's extremely developed. He's 6'6". He's very speedy. You know, he only weighs about 175, 185, so definitely needs to add some size and strength, but he's so young. He's a top 30 Cubs prospect list after getting traded away, you know, from the Yankees organization now. Also, right-handed pitcher Alexander Vicenciano. He's a 24-year-old with great fastball and changeup combo. Those two pitches together are just an unbeatable duo. Um, He needs to develop a breaking ball. You know, the 24-year-old still in the minors trying to work on, you know, a slider and curve. He has high velocity. His command, it needs a little bit of work. But, again, he was another one of those guys that enters the top 30 Cubs prospect list in our farm system now. So probably one of the biggest names in yesterday's, in this trade deadline turnover that we got um, came from the New York Mets. Outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong. He's a 19-year-old lefty. He was a first-round pick out of high school uh, from L.A. He had 10 hits in his first 24 at-bats. 10 hits in 24 at-bats. I mean, his on-base percentage is .563. He even grew up going to, you know, Wrigley Field to games with his father, watching Kerry Wood pitch. And he even played uh, at Wrigley in the 2019 All-American game. That's Pete Crow Armstrong, an outfielder from New York. We also got outfielder Alexander Canario from San Francisco in the Chris Bryant trade. He's a 21-year-old low-way player, above average, you know, raw power. He's a home run hitter, but he has that swing and miss ratio, very prone to striking out, but a very strong arm out in the outfield. And lastly, we got a right-handed pitcher in Caleb Killian. He's a 24-year-old He doesn't really have a huge arsenal of pitches, not really remarkable stuff either, but his location is fantastic. He can really hit the spot. He has a good strikeout-walk ratio, and he's had 15 uh, total starts across both double and high A minor league games, posted a 2.13 ERA. This guy has strong potential. A lot of guys to keep an eye on, like I mentioned. I mean, anywhere from Greg Dykeman, to Kevin Alcantara, to Pete Crow Armstrong, Caleb Killian, a lot of arm, a lot of potential. We have some strong arms now in our farm system, a lot of outfielders. And Nick Madrigal, when he comes back from this injury, definitely someone to keep an eye on. I mean, hitting 317, all those RBIs, he can really get things done at second base. So moving on in this season without the core, without the entire Cubs team that we knew. We're going to finish out this weekend in Washington. Then we'll move on to Colorado, face the Rockies. Next weekend, we're back home for a cross-down cup. And then we stick at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. Watch for Nico Horner this season. I mean, he'll continue to make these highlight gems at second base. He has that strong, consistent contact. We'll probably see him at the top of the order. Get a lot more playing time out of him. Patrick Wisdom, I mean, he's carrying our offense, potential Rookie of the Year candidate, playing multiple positions from the outfield, third base, first base. Patrick Wisdom, Nico Horner, just two guys really going to carry our team. Wilson Contreras, he's the spark plug. I mean, he's what keeps our guys glued together. I wouldn't want any other catcher in the league 
besides Contreras behind the plate. He has an absolute cannon, and he's just a wall to any pitch that comes in. We still got the professor up there dealing. He's really, really awesome to watch. Got great stuff, great location. I mean, maybe this season he'll reach 20 wins for the first time. Adbert Alzale, he's an impressive young gun, you know. This first couple seasons, he's looked real impressive out there. But can he develop, you know, that pitching to the left-handed hitters? That's what we're really going to have to keep an eye on here in this second half. Just developing, you know, that movement in and out on the lefties. Jason Hayward, I would love to see, you know, improvement from his swing. Yesterday we saw him, you know, make a sports center top 10 play out in right field. He's capable of making these these high-octane plays out in the outfield. I mean, he could still throw runners out. I'd love to see that again. Could we see more playing time? I mean, absolutely, from Ortega, from Alcantara up the middle, and even Robinson Chineros before he retires, potentially. Uh, David Bodie just got back from an injury return, as well as Matt Duffy, so those guys will be playing. We saw Jake Arrieta pitch yesterday, move back into the pitching rotation. Is that just temporarily... Or will he stick, you know, a long time, two, three months in this final season before he, A, becomes a free agent or also retires like Shaniros? Um, with him being moved back into the pitching rotation, we could see, you know, Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele take his spot. They could be moved into this starting rotation and have, you know, the longer five, six inning outings. Would love to see their arms stretched out, you know, Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele, can Nick Madrigal recover and return as a leadoff hitter up the middle? Maybe at the end of the season. I know he had surgery, but this could be, you know, very late September, a return to get some swings in. Maybe, you know, down in the farm team. Ian Happ, I'd love to see him arise from whatever slump that he is in this season. And David Ross, his coaching approach, how will it change with without the core, without, you know, a winning team? The return of Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi, I mean, like I've been saying, they all become free agents in three months. After this season, after they might achieve, you know, great success, we're going to see Rizzo, you know, play at the Field of Dreams game here in a couple weeks. KB, Javi, I mean, the Giants and the Mets, they're, they're two playoff contending teams that could be, you know, even playing for a championship title come October and same with the New York Yankees definitely with the New York Yankees any of these three guys are capable of accomplishing just a massive hill come this September and October so after this season I mean they we gave them away as rentals as I said when they become free agents will they return will we pay them will we pay Rizzo there are so many big names that are becoming free agents come 2022 the end of this season this winter all those guys I just mentioned from the Cubs Trevor Bauer Zach Grinke I think Justin Verlander Nolan Arenado even Clayton Kershaw we'll see Max Scherzer become a free agent Buster Posey even Freddie Freeman Marcus Simeon Kenley Jansen Nicholas Castellanos Trevor Story Carlos Correa I mean the list goes on Yadier Molina what's he gonna do Andrew Miller Corey Kluber, Trevor Rosenthal, Nelson Cruz, will he retire? Noah Syndergaard, will, what's going to happen with him? Tommy Pham, Joe Kelly, 
Corey and Kyle Seeger, Adam Wainwright, you know, Jose Ramirez, J.D. Martinez, Charlie Blackman, John Lester, even Jake Arrieta and Zach Davies, Matt Duffy, Robinson Chineros, as I mentioned, Rex Brothers, and even Dan Winkler. A lot to just, you know, keep an eye on come the end of this year. Will these players return to what was home? I would love to see, you know, Rizzo and or KB and Javi dress back in the Chicago Cubs pinstripes back at the federal landmark, but I wish them success with their new teams. I hope they accomplish great things come these three months. It hurts for now. It's going to hurt for a long, long time. This will never be forgotten. Unfortunately, Cubs fans, hang on tight. We got three months left of the season. As I mentioned, there's a lot of guys to keep your eye on down in the farm system and even up here in the bigs. Unfortunately, this was a very upsetting podcast episode. I wish it could be more positive, but as I mentioned, this might be one of the saddest, if not the saddest days as a Cubs fan in my lifetime. Definitely in years past. This is a very upsetting day. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Cubs fans, don't ever give up. This is in the Ivy Podcast, Episode 3. I am your host, Ryan Scott, and thank you for listening. in baseball, Andrew Miller. Cubs lead 6-3. Ground ball to third. Base hit down the left field line. The go-ahead run will score. The ball is backhanded by Geyer. Rizzo goes to third. Double for Sobrist. Cubs lead 7-6. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time.